At Vinton County National Bank, we believe in supporting the areas where we live and work. Now, we'd like to honor those who also serve our communities. Our new Community Champions account is especially for first responders, veterans, active military, and anyone employed in the fields of healthcare or education. This account offers rewards, discounts, and other benefits to those who give so much to others. Vinton County National Bank, rewarding those who serve. Would you like to work closer to home, save money on gas, and be rewarded for your hard work and attendance? Then Belicio Foods is looking for you. That's right, Belicio Foods is now hiring for multiple positions and shifts with great employee benefits, an on-site health clinic, competitive wages, and advancement opportunities. Belicio Foods is a company that truly values their employees. Apply online at BelicioFoods.com careers. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the morning show right here on Main Street TV, where Pete and, and I are here, and we're super duper excited to bring you news on this beginning of your work week Monday. Pete, it looks like your people called my people. Oh, we how match. about that? Look at that. Yeah, well, you know, you got the memo, I got the memo, and uh, we both uh, both didn't forget it's about it. It's that ESPN we have. It, it must be. Yeah. It must be. We, we talk to each other. Mentally, right. it, doesn't, in the morning. it doesn't mean that we're having a blue day, but we are, no. we're, I mean, we're in blue. We are. We're not, not trying to send any message. <laughs> That's right. Well, you have to wear your red shirt on Fridays. Uh, yes, I do. Yes, so. I do. That's 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 tradition. Back to blue it is on Monday. Back to blue on Monday. <laughs> well, very good. So you and I were talking off the air, and there is a, I mean, your your stack's pretty big over there, Pete, and I know that we have quite a, a lot of things to talk about. Correct. Um, so I guess we should get right to it, mm -hmm. and uh, always look forward to talking with you on a Monday after the weekend, find out what, what's going on. Right. You know, as usual, a mixed bag, some good things and some bad things, and probably some things I haven't been able to figure out yet or no that's the way it works hey if you got a news tip give me a call we'll add it to the stack that's exactly we right wanna, we want to be able to provide you all the information we can in the newspaper and on the radio and you know uh there isn't a little bird that just tells us things we got to hear it somewhere you know we, we cover a lot but you know we've always got to find out the first time uh, on anything to be able to report right. on it hi miss barbara summers we love you okay well yeah good morning barbara Good morning, Barbara. It's always good to hear from her. Yes. One of the one of the very top newspaper people Abs I have ever worked absolutely. with. Absolutely. And that's just that's just one component of Barbara of Summers. Her, yes, obviously. absolutely. Fascinating so, lady. So so glad that she is doing fairly well and that yeah. we hear from her from time to time. All right. Uh, well, the big story, the big story, it kind of broke at the end of last week. Uh, earlier. Last week, the Board of Elections met, and they reviewed okay. candidate petitions for the upcoming general election. And okay. we're talking about, uh, uh, there's a, this is a so-called off-year. I always thought that's a little bit of a joke, because that's really when you have most of the local candidates running. It's on the off-year. On the off-year. <laughs> yeah, 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 that doesn't know, make it, a lot of sense. You know, when They say off-year because, you know, there's not governor, there's not president, right. there's not United States senator, there's not congressman, all those things that happen in even-numbered years. Yeah. But in the off-numbered years, that's where you have a lot of local offices on the ballot. Sure. Now, a lot of the municipal offices in the cities of Jackson and Wellston, 
not completely determined, but a lot of those were determined in the primary because they're partisan offices. You know, you have Republicans and Democrats running. More candidates can jump in later as independent or write-ins, but a, a lot of the script is written earlier in the year. However, for the offices of uh, Village, which would mean Oak Hill and Colton in Jackson, uh, MacArthur, Zaleski, Wilkesville, and Hamden in Vinton County, the school boards, all four local school boards that we cover in Jackson and Vinton counties, all those townships, uh, there is a trustee and a fiscal officer yes. on the ballot this and year. those are very important positions. Right, on the township level, you better yes, believe it. Very, very important to the folks at that level. Uh, there's three trustees and one fiscal officer, and it's staggered in, in one year, and this is the year that a one trustee and one and the fiscal officer runs. Two years from now, the other two trustee positions will be on the ballot. It are four-year terms. So what I'm leading into is that uh, last week, I believe it was on Tuesday, the Board of Elections met and reviewed the petitions. And, you know, they checked them to see if they're accurate and if there are enough valid oh, signatures okay. uh, for, you know, these candidates to have their candidacies validated so they can go on the ballot. I've never had this in uh, all the years that, uh, you know, I've covered the news here in Jackson County. Um, it's not unusual for a candidacy to be invalidated here and there. Yeah, but, we've had that but often. what we have as a result of the review that took place uh, about a week ago, 13 local candidates in Jackson County had their petitions invalidated. 11 others are listed as pending. What? Me meaning, yeah, that's what I said. 13 candidates have had their petitions invalidated. The Board of Elections, what this means is that the petitions did not pass muster, and therefore their names will not go on the ballot. And, you know, we're talking about, some, in some cases, incumbent candidates who are serving now who were running for re-election. Oh, my gosh. So you got a lot of, uh, of well-known names out there, uh, you know, who, uh, who are not going to be able to serve after this year, at least as things stand now. There are 11 others that are listed as pending, meaning that a final decision has not been made. Well, what would be the reason that petitions would be invalidated? Okay, uh, I had a discussion with Elections Director Margaret Casey uh, late last week, yeah. and uh, I can't give you the specific reason on each petition. On However, each particular candidate, yeah. Yes, on the 13 candidates who were invalidated. But the two basic reasons were a petition was either not completely was not completed uh, or it was not completed properly. So there was something okay. wrong on it or it wasn't completely filled out. Okay. Those two basic things. Normally, uh, when there is an invalidation, it's because maybe, uh, you know, you have to get, let's say, 50 signatures of registered voters. They review sure. and they find out that some of those people who signed your petition were not registered voters in Jackson County. Or, they either were not okay. registered or they're not from Jackson County gotcha. or, that's, or uh, they, they, their registration was not considered current. And, you know, if you have eight signature, if you get 55 signatures and eight signatures aren't good, you got 47 and you need 50, well, your petition gets thrown out. So that was not the reason for any of them is what I was told. It, it was because forms, the petitions were not completed, were not completely completed, or were completed improperly. Okay. All right. So that's Oof. 13 candidates. 11 others are in a pending category uh, where in some cases, at least, you know, they're seeking some guidance from the county prosecutor. So let me ask you this. I mean, is there a chance to, to go back and fix 
these or is it too late or? Um, as far as the Board of Elections goes, you know, I asked Margaret Casey this too. This is a decision that the board has made based on what they saw on the petitions. Okay. I don't think that there is an appeal process at that level. Now, I do know uh, anecdotally, uh, not directly, but I've heard it a couple of times now from reliable sources from a from somebody who has talked to candidates who had their petitions invalidated, that they feel they were given the wrong form. And so they feel oh. that wasn't their fault. Then again, oh. Margaret Casey told me she didn't uh, she she didn't directly answer me about the wrong forms, but she said even if they got the wrong forms, if they weren't filled out correctly, they're still not good. Wow, this is a mess, Pete. Yeah, it is. But let's let's go over some of those names there. Yeah. Uh, okay, in the village of Colton, council candidate Michelle Meacham. She is not currently on council. Her candidacy. Uh, was invalidated. Her petition was invalidated. Here's a biggie. In the village of Oak Hill, incumbent pair mayor Paul McNeil, he had his oh, petition no. invalidated. Now, um, the person who was running against him, Tara Cooper, her petition is considered in the pending category. Now, if oh. somehow the Board of Elections would ultimately determine after they make a final decision on Tara that she can't run. There's nobody running for Oak Hill mayor because there were only two candidates. Also, um, in Bloomfield Township, incumbent trustee Richard E. Irwin Jr. has had his candidacy invalidated. In Cole Township, challenger trustee candidate Timothy Wheatley has had his candidacy invalidated. In Franklin Township, incumbent... Uh, okay, and nobody in Franklin Township have their candidacy invalidated. Nobody in Hamilton Township in uh, Jackson Township, no problems. In Jefferson Township, uh, no problems. In Liberty Township, no problems. In Lick Township, here's one. Incumbent Kathy J. Greer, she is a trustee. Okay. And Claudia McGinnis Mc mm -hmm. has both had their candidacies invalidated. Oh. They were listed as running for trustee. Now, I was told by somebody speaking for Claudia, I didn't hear from Claudia, that she is the fiscal officer, not the trustee, but she was listed on the Board of Elections website as a trustee candidate. Okay. So we'll have to get that one sorted out. However, Check her, her petition was invalidated, as was Kathy Greer's. Oh, my. All right. In uh, Madison Township, you know, we've talked to Chris Walls before. Sure. Here on the show of Lots, Festival yeah. of Flags. He, he is an incumbent trustee in Madison Township. His candidacy, his petition was invalidated. In Scioto Township, um, Judy Kiefer was running for or wanted to run for fiscal officer. Uh, she is a challenger. Lisa Warrens, the current fiscal officer, is not running for okay. re-election. So Judy was the only candidate. Her petition was among those that was invalidated. This Brian, sounds weird. Brian Durham is one of three candidates for Scioto Township trustee. He is not currently a trustee. He had he had his petition invalidated. Uh, Washington Township, uh, Alicia Atkins, who is a challenger for a trustee position, her candidacy was invalidated. Okay, in, on Jackson City School Board, here's one of the headlines for sure. There are three seats that are on the ballot in the November 7th general election for full four-year terms. Okay. Um, the people that hold those positions right now are Brian Moore, uh, Dr. Brian Morris, and Pat McDonald. Okay. Okay, Dr. Morris is not running for re-election. Okay. 
Brian Moore had his candidacy, his petition validated. However, Patrick McDonald, who has been the president of the board before, has been on for through a couple terms at least, yep. his candidacy was invalidated. Kim White, who is a challenger for yep. one of those three positions, this would be the second time she has run, her candidacy was invalidated. Butch Cooper, Bill Butch Cooper is his name as far as uh, the petition goes. We know him as Butch Cooper. Yep. He is currently on the school board uh, uh, holding the unexpired, he was appointed for the unexpired yes. term when Bob Kite yes. stepped down for health reasons. Right. So Butch actually had two more years on the term. Well, he decided to jump in and run for one of these full four-year terms. He he vacated okay. his seat to run for to one of the seats that are four-year term, and he's not having to run against Dr. Morris, who's already on there. So that probably influenced him. Well, his candidacy was invalidated. So he actually had two more uh, years with his current seat, but he decided to run for a different seat. Oh, my gosh. And his candidacy was invalidated. So that brings us to the seat that Butch Cooper is vacating, all right? That is on the ballot, too, for the unexpired term, which is for the next two years. Okay. There are two candidates who filed petitions. One of them is, um, one of them is Michael Perkins who ran one other time for school board, his candidacy was validated. Okay. Another candidate jumped in there for that seat, Kyle Hickey. Mm -hmm. uh, he is current Jackson assistant fire chief and works at Geiger Brothers, well-known yeah. in Jackson. Sure. Uh, he, his, his candidacy, his petition is in the pending category. Oh so my. if his candidacy is invalidated, Michael Perkins looks like he's in. Oak Hill Union Local School Board, um, there is uh, no problem. On the Wellston City School Board, um, the candidacy of Adam Massey, he is one of three candidates uh -huh. for two positions. His candidacy is in the pending category right now. All right. And um, on the city offices side, uh, this came into play, even though, you know, we had the Republican Democrat thing in the primary, you can still run as an independent or as a write-in candidate. And some of those petitions had to be reviewed as well. And right now, the independent candidacy of Wellston Third Ward Councilman Frederick Doobie was invalidated. So he's not going to be able to run. Uh, also, uh, at-large Councilman Roby Browning, he's been a councilman for a while in Wellston. He's in the pending category. The write-in candidacy of Hunter Skaggs for Second Ward Council, he's in the pending category. Also... Um, uh, nothing else in the city of Wilson, nothing else in the city of Jackson. Now, this begs the question, there's still a period where you can file as a write-in candidate. You know, your name wouldn't be on the ballot. So, you know, can these candidates, if this holds, the, sure. if they're invalidated and the pending people are invalidated, can these people run as write-in candidates? And the answer is no. Oh. Because when you have a candidacy or a petition invalidated in that election cycle, you cannot run as an, as an independent or a write-in or uh, you cannot, you cannot put yourself back in. Oh yeah. Even, even as a write-in. So those people, unless, you know, something happens that I can't predict right now, they're out of luck, you know, for those, those people who were invalidated and also those people who were pending who turn out to be invalidated. Maybe all 11 of them will be approved. Maybe all 11 will be invalidated. We'll have to see. This sounds really, uh, just, this is, this is odd, Pete. Yeah. I mean, there, we've there, never, there, there, there's a lot there's of something going on. There's here. a lot of answers, you know, that we'll, we'll have to get. And I'll tell you when those answers might come. 4 PM today, the okay. board of elections is meeting again okay. for a special meeting. And, uh, 
Margaret Casey, in my discussion with her, when I verified some of this information and asked some questions, she said that one of the main reasons for the meeting is to act on the pending, on the pending candidacies, the pending petitions. And there's 11 of them, remember. Some of them, if not all of them, there was a legal question involved and they're getting guidance from the prosecutor, from the prosecutor's office on this. So um, we may know about the other 11 today. There is a window, I'm not sure how long it is, but it's no longer than two weeks. That's when final decisions have to be made so they can get the ballots ready for uh, for the November 7th general election. But what you're saying is those 13 folks are out of business. Uh, according to the Board of Elections, as That's things it. as things stand now, I like wow. I say, I do know that um, in at least two instances, uh, candidates for the Jackson City School Board say they were given the wrong form. Uh, they were given the wrong form. And from an arguing standpoint, if you were given the wrong form, can you say, well, that ought to be thrown out automatically. They gave me the wrong form. On the other hand, the elections office, the elections board is saying you still didn't fill it out right. It may the you know, the top may have said something it shouldn't have said, but you still didn't fill out your form right or you didn't complete it. Oh, boy. So, uh, what a mess. you know, I'm telling you what I know Oof. and there's a lot that I don't know. But I will be at that 4 p.m. meeting and we will certainly follow up on it. But like I say, unprecedented, unprecedented. I'd say so. Right. And, um, you know, hopefully more information will come out. Uh, We don't know the nature of the questions on the pending people. But as I said, on the candidate, on the petitions that were invalidated, the 13s that are a matter of record, they were placed on the Board of Elections website even for the public to see. Um, The reasons were. The forms, the petition forms were not completed, completely completed, or they were completed improperly. That was the word that was used. Okay. All right. Uh, There's a big story out of Vinton County that kind of has to do uh, with the political process as well. We have a new prosecuting attorney in Vinton County, and um, that's a cue for Dylan over there uh, to get up the picture for uh, William Bill Archer. And uh, there he is right there. Uh, now, we haven't heard a whole lot about Bill Archer because he's been a little bit behind the scenes, uh, unless you're involved in the criminal justice process sure. in Vinton County, because he's been the assistant. But he has been the assistant under Jim Payne, the former prosecutor, for 10 years. Oh, my. So he's okay. got some experience. I talked to him on the phone yesterday. He has been an assistant. He is a, a, a native of Pickaway County in Circleville. Uh, and he, uh, but he has had also assistant prosecuting experience in not only Benton County for the last 10 years, but also in neighboring Hawking County for uh, about a year. He was helping down here in Jackson County. He's also worked in Pickaway County and in Highland County, all as an assistant prosecutor. So, you know, in a situation where, you know, it wasn't really planned, the prosecutor moving into the judge's spot. It looks like to me that Denton County is pretty fortunate to have somebody as experienced as Mr. Archer moving into the prosecutor's position. Uh, The appointment officially came last Wednesday by the Denton County Republican Party Central Committee. Mr. Payne, who is now the common police judge because Jim Sawyer stepped aside, resigned in the middle of his term, and Mm -hmm. Mr. Payne was uh, picked by the governor to be the new common police judge. It was up to the Republican Party Central Committee to pick the new prosecutor. There were two candidates. 
Mr. Archer was one of them, and he would received a unanimous vote from okay. the committee. Well, that would make sense. So he was sworn into office, and Dylan, if you can get the picture up of the, of the swearing in, uh, he was sworn in, and he is proud of this picture, and we'll be running it in the paper. Um, he was, uh, he was, uh, this was one of the, on the second, on the second file I gave you, Dylan. He was sworn into office on Friday by former judge Jeff Simmons. That is Jeff Simmons on the far right. He is the retired Benton County Common Police Judge. Mr. Archer is right in the middle of that picture, right in the middle. Uh, he is standing there with the other judges that are current in Benton County. From the left, you have County Judge Jeff Griffith. Uh, you have the new Common Police Court Judge and Archer's former boss, Jim Payne, then Mr. Archer. Then you have uh, Jackson County native and the probate juvenile judge in Benton County, yes. Bob Grillo. And there on the end, of course, the amiable Judge Jeffrey Simmons, who <coughs> did the swearing in last Friday. But uh, we'll have a story about Mr. Archer uh, taking over as prosecutor, had a nice phone interview with him. Uh, he feels that he has worked very well with the uh, people in the criminal justice system and also throughout the courthouse. And so he, in that way, he sees an, a good transition. He obviously has a lot of prosecutorial experience as well. Uh, and, uh, you know, he's going to, you know, obviously focus on the criminal justice part of it, the law enforcement, but he's also an advisor to the townships. Uh, he wants to get on delinquent taxes, also make sure that uh, all the folks are uh, paying the bed tax up in Benton County. This is an issue because they're increasing tourism there, and this is sure. another source of revenue. Yep. So. Uh, he talked about all those issues. Um, he uh, has recently moved to Ham Hamden. He's a resident of Hamden. And once again, he is your new Vinton County prosecuting attorney. Uh, he's going to be very busy, he said. Right now, he needs to hire somebody to replace of him course. as assistant <laughs> yeah. prosecutor. He needs to replace so a himself. Lot, a, a lot to do there, but congratulations to William Bill Archer. And we will have a story on him in our Wednesday paper. Good. All right. Uh, do you know what Jeremiah Shaver did every evening this weekend? I have a sneaky suspicion he was following some very beautiful young ladies around, praying that they have crowns. Right. Well, he did uh, <laughs> did a bang up job for me. You know, it's always a busy weekend, but he oh, covered man. all three 2024 Ohilco royalty contests. Yes. Uh, there was the Little Miss contest on Friday. They're so cute. The um, Junior Miss on. Saturday uh -huh. and uh, the older girls on Sunday. Now these girls, I mean, it, it, it can be confusing. These girls are not going to be the royalty this year. They were picked last year yes. and they will end their reign <laughs> during the festival. So these girls will reign uh, starting at the end of the 2023 festival and will reign through the 2024 festival, but this is when they do it. Yep. So we'll put up those pictures and announce them uh, right now. Uh, on the Little Miss side, uh, this was on Friday night. There's the young ladies. Uh, oh. All right. Uh, we're going to name them. Seated are the three finalists for the 2024 Little Miss El Hilco. That's Lillian Mannering, Amelia Dupree, and Tatum Arthur, left to right seated. Behind them are the 2023 Little Miss El Hilco second attendant, Catherine Mannering. Uh, another Little Miss finalist, Molly Dupree. 2023 Miss Ohilco Queen Sophia Smith, 2024 Miss Ohilco finalist Riley Kaufman, and 2023 Little Miss Ohilco first attendant Kennedy Smith. So in this case, 
I misspoke. There's actually five finalists. You have yes. three of them seated and two are standing on yep. the back row. There will be another contest during the festival yes. to narrow it down to three. To three, yep. And then the winner will be announced and crowned on Saturday night of the Coal Festival, or not Coal Festival, the Ohio Hill Country Festival. Remember, they changed it. I know. <laughs> It'll be on that Saturday night right at the close. Yeah. Right at the close after the entertainment. Um and the same thing, the same process will stand for the junior miss level and also for the older girls. Okay, we'll put up the junior miss finalists now. This contest was on Saturday night. And uh, in this case, there's the three finalists seated in the first row, three finalists this time. Uh, from the left, Ava Fenwick, Peyton Eby, and Milana McFadden. On the back row, uh, those are two of the girls from last year uh, who are actually the queens this year. 2023 Miss Ohilco first attendant Adeline Kuhn and 2003 Junior Miss Ohilco second attendant Lily Schwartz. So uh, those two young ladies standing will actually reign this year as the Junior yes. Miss. Uh, can't emphasize that enough, but the three seated, those are the finalists for the Junior Miss title through 2024. Gotcha. And once again, they will be crowned and announced on Saturday night of the Coal Festival. Uh, Coal Festival. The, the Ohio Hill, the Ohio Country, Hill Country Festival, Festival yes. uh, on uh, on Saturday night, <laughs> September the 9th. All right, and then Sunday evening, that was the uh, that was that that was the queen and yeah. the first and second attendant, uh, the finalists for them. The queen and the first and second attendant were not named, just the three finalists. Okay, and there are they right there. We're going to announce them from the left are uh, Mackenzie Collins, Addison Bowman, and Katie Elaine Ross. Um, Mackenzie is the 16-year-old daughter of Stacy Collins. She is a junior at Jackson High School. Addison is the 14-year-old daughter of Rochelle Bowman and Brian Barney. She is a freshman at Jackson High School. And Katie Elaine Ross is the 14-year-old daughter of Brian and Amanda Ross. She is a freshman at Wellston High School. Remember, last year, the, the Ohio Hill Country Festival Committee opened the contest up to other girls yeah. in both Jackson and Vinton County. So that's why, you know, in this case, you know, there's a couple of Jackson high school girls okay. that are there. And of course the Jackson Apple Festival has always done that countywide, sure. but the Ohio Hill Country Festival expanding a little bit, you know, to get more interest in the festival, more participation. Yeah. And they did. That's awesome. All right. And the girls standing in the back, uh, you have uh, this year's second attendant, Caitlin Bright, and this year's first attendant, Kylan Bowman. And so, once again, the girls seated will be the finalists for the 2024 uh, Ohio Hill Country Festival Queen. And along with the Little Miss and Junior Miss 2024 finalists, the Queen and first and second attendants will all be announced that Saturday night. So, we thank Jeremiah for covering that. Of course, we'll have those pictures and those stories in Wednesday's paper. Yeah. Knock on wood. I believe it will. <laughs> I believe it will happen. All right. Uh, some other things to tell you about. Uh, we've got a story from the criminal justice front. Do you remember several weeks ago, Jennifer, when they stole the truck? A gentleman stole the truck in uh, Greene County, was involved in a pursuit that went all the way the on US 35 yeah. Yeah, through several counties, ended up just outside of Jackson here mess. on US 35 yes. before uh, the guy was caught and captured. His name is Stephen Nykirk. He's age 44 of Cedarville. The way it worked out, the because <laughs> I always right drive there. a semi, steal a semi, and try to back it up down the highway. 
the <laughs> the Ross County Sheriff's Office uh, investigated this, Dude. but Jeremiah Shaver did, did a great job tracking down the information. Sometimes it's not so easy to get it when it's in another county, but he found it. Uh, anyway, if you want to know how that's unfolded, yeah. he initially appeared for an arraignment in the Chillicothe Municipal Court recently. He is charged with a third-degree felony of failure to comply with the order or signal of a police officer. That means you ran from him. Yep. All right. Uh, and also a fourth-degree felony of receiving stolen property and a second-degree misdemeanor of resisting arrest. The receiving stolen property charge, of course, relates to the stolen truck. Well, that's weird. That's the lesser of all the charges. Right. Well, it can be a That's so strange. It can be a different degree felony. In this case, it is a it is a um, it is a fourth degree felony. Uh, so, uh, you know, that case is proceeding uh, now in the Ross County Common Police Court because it's kicked up to the higher court. Yep. We'll try to follow that as well. All right. Uh, we also uh, want to uh, tell you um, about uh, a couple of stories out of Vinton County. A lot of folks in Benton County are paying attention to the big paving project on U.S. Route 50. Okay. U.S. Route 50 is the big thoroughfare through Benton County, yeah. east and west. Uh, goes through the Antar County, and a good amount of that road is being paved this summer. And uh, Red Thompson Jr. was up there on Thursday uh, when they were doing some paving, and uh, we put up a couple pictures for you. But obviously, this was through the county seat of MacArthur. Nice. Uh, you know, so... Uh, on a school day, so you know it disrupted the traffic oh, a little yeah. bit. I the, can see the, that. the road, the road has always mostly stayed open, but there's restricted traffic, one lane, and so forth. And they were working in MacArthur last Thursday, uh, including on that busy west side where, yeah. where uh, you know the the two schools are, the high school and the middle school, and where you know there's some new commercial development. But that project is covering 18 miles in Vinton County. Uh, all the way from Allensville on the west side, which is not quite to the Ross County line, to east of MacArthur at Prattsville, which is just before you would turn, like, to go to Lake Hope and Zaleski and like that. So it's a good, good, good part of, uh, of Vinton County on U.S. Route 50. According to uh, the High Department of Transportation District 10, they have named an actual date that the project will be oh. done, and that is October the 12th. Ooh, so we can't come soon enough, I'm sure, see. for those folks. And a segment of that project uh, is the new crosswalk in front of Benton County High School, mm -hmm. which I think it's mostly done. Uh, the last time we checked, they had not uh, activated the signals there. They may have done that since uh, I knew, but as of the beginning of the last week, they still had not activated the signals. But when they do, and if they have, it's going to make it much safer uh, for well, students, if students and others abide cross, by the crosswalk, <laughs> crossing across that highway because it's going to be a walk and don't walk thing. Yeah, where you know there's signals for the pedestrians, yes. and of course you know that will that will uh, affect the signals for the motorists on the highway too. If to the, let to let folks cross the highway yeah. there. If the lights are flashing, you got to stop. Right, exactly. Okay. Uh, also, in the village of MacArthur kind of on the transportation side, too. This was a story that came out of the last meeting of MacArthur Village Council, where Red Thompson Jr. Uh, was. And uh, they are looking at uh, what they call um, uh, safe, safe Communities Project that will make walking and sidewalks uh, more safer or safer in the village of MacArthur. And they did an assessment, and they got that assessment back, and that will be a guide on what to apply for grant-wise. 
and here is this kind of shows you what they're thinking of they the village council and the mayor and whatever they discussed it they feel that one of the major needs is to have a sidewalk on the east side of state route 93 that's okay. also market street uh they're just north of the downtown area there are some stores there including a couple dollar stores side by side family dollar and dollar general and not too far from there there is an apartment complex uh called um called the macarthur manor apartments okay the folks that live in that apartment often walk to those stores that makes sense. And, and other yeah. other other places along that highway and there's no there's no sidewalk. Now you can walk along the grass, but yeah, you know sometimes you know it may be wet or whatever. Yeah, so sure. they think that one of the best projects they could apply for is to build a sidewalk along the east side of 93 on that on that in that part of town. So we will see. Makes sense. We'll see what happens on that. All right. Um, I tell you, it's always a big deal when you need to get in to see the doctor locally. You know, it's not, you know, an ER type situation, emergency room situation, but you're not well. You got the flu or whatever. Um, you need to see a doctor. You know, if you've got a doctor, uh, you know, uh, 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 if you've got a physician um, lined up or a nurse practitioner and you're on the list, that's one thing. But if you're not, yeah. sometimes it's hard to get in to see you know, sure. a, a medical practitioner and because there's be not, there's not enough of them and they're awful busy. Yep. Well, King's Daughters in Jackson, King's Daughters Medical Specialties, that's the office down there uh, on State Route 93 at the intersection of Four Mile Road. They have recently added two osteopathic physicians to their oh, staff. This is great. a big deal. Yeah. Uh, and they are Dr. Kenneth Brown and Dr. Rachel Staker. Uh, there is Dr. Brown. And there is Dr. Staker. And uh, this was a big deal nice. because I, I'll just give you a, a personal angle on this. Um, my wife had a bad cold. It's kind of turned into something more than that, I'm afraid. Um, we didn't have a, a doctor established because Dr. Ball retired. And we right. found out you just don't walk in to see somebody Correct. without yeah. having an established physician. Well, they're both taking new physicians, new patients, Dr. Brown and Dr. Staker. Oh, great. And my wife was able to get in the same day. And, you know, you don't want to be told to come back next week when you're not sick. Especially or when not you're even, sick. Not right. even tomorrow sometimes. Sure. So I'm not pitching for KDMC. I'm just telling you that now there is an open door through new patients. That's and wonderful. I know that is a big deal to some people when they need to see a doctor. Yes. So uh, that's at King's Daughter's Medical Specialties here in Jackson. Okay, uh, we want to give kudos to the Honeysuckle Salon and the stylist over there in Wellston. Okay. They have done this before, and they did it again uh, on August the 15th, which was eight days before uh, the start of school in Wellston. Wellston starts Wednesday. The other school started yep, last, last week. week. Yep. And I suppose you didn't have to be from Wellston, but it is in Wellston, Honeysuckle Salon. They did back-to-school-free haircuts. That Aww, is a. I Love that that is a big deal, you know, it on is. a business day to, to do free services like that. But it was a great service, good PR as well. And um, the three stylists who donated their time uh, were um, Kate Smith, Tony Kemp, and Taylor Wise. I believe we have a picture there, Dylan, if you can get her up there for us. Honeysuckle Salon. Uh, anyway, they did, they gave 
free back-to-school haircuts, and guess how many students they served in a single day? Oh, gosh. I wouldn't even have an idea. 160. Oh, I was going to guess like 30. <laughs> no, I know. <laughs> oh, my gosh. One, 160. And, and they had some support from the community. Uh, Hebrews Coffee Shop and Bakery uh, provided three coffee for everybody. Subway of Wellston and Rocket Dairy Corner provided the stylists with free lunch. Aww. The Wellston Church of God donated cookies. Lorna Morris and Jamie McInnes came by and helped with phones, sweeping hair, and keeping the song in order so they could keep that going. Yeah. The uh, assembly line of, of haircuts there. So good. All right. Well, we will move on. Um, and uh, the Limerick Grange Bean Dinner was held last Saturday. Yes. I always try to find a way to go to that because I enjoy it. Those folks are great. Yes. I uh, had some other things to do, to do, and I was on the back end of the service, but I got out there just before 2 o'clock. It usually goes to 3. They were out of white beans, even though they had 50 pounds of white oh beans to gosh. cook. They had brown beans, and so I, I got some brown hey, beans. Hey, that's all right. There is uh, the chief cooker out there, Mr. John Wood. John Wood has done it for 15 years, okay? He's that's the main, so main bean. He's one of the main bean cookers, put it that way. He's done it for 15 years, but you know how long the Glenbrook Grange has been doing bean dinners? A long 125 time. Yep. years. And some of the folks are just, you know, they're, they're out there every year doing that. And it's just a great community gathering. A lot of, there is the building, kind of looks like a, like, a, like a township house or an old uh -huh. church or whatever. Old house, an old maybe. clapboard building. But that building goes back well more than 100 years. I can uh, remember originally, being there. Originally, it was the Sons of the Civil War veterans were at that position. Later on, the Limerick Grange came along and took it. But uh, I got out there and asked for two servings of beans to go. I didn't bring, you know, any container with me, which you're supposed to. And they got this huge, uh, this huge old Folgers coffee container that was empty. I mean, not the, not the usual size, but the huge size. And so I got two servings. It, I'm sure I've got beans for the rest of the year. And those cost me a grand total of $4. Oh, gosh. And then I got uh, two pieces of pie for $2 each. Now, nice. where are you going to find a piece of homemade pie for $2? Deal of the century. Right, exactly. So, And those people are so nice out there as well. But uh, I'm guessing that it has to be one of, if not the oldest, continuous community service social event I would say so. in the county. Yep. If there's one longer than that, tell me about it. Yep. But anyway, congratulations to all the folks there at the Limerick Grange. Um, also, on the entertainment side, uh, last Thursday, we had another edition of the Homegrown Happy Hour, mm -hmm. and Myron Hart was a performer. There's Myron right there. Uh, James Hamilton was there, of course. Dylan um, Dylan Euler was there. I was not there, but uh, I heard once again, very successful concert. Very good. Uh, you got to get there early if you want to get a seat. That's right. Uh, I mean, it's that way at Rowdy's all the time anyway, yep. but then especially on Homegrown Happy Hour Night. But once again, a different entertainer each Thursday through that live show at 7 p.m. It's on two different radio stations live as well, one here in Jackson and one in Athens. And um, it's uh, it's it, they play music usually after the one-hour show, from, you know, after – 8 p.m. They still usually play more. Yeah. Ben Davis Jr. is the host every week. Yep. He does a great job orchestrating the whole thing. And behind the scenes, Rodney Porterhouse Tomlin, it's his brainchild, and he just does a great job. And I know James and Dylan are there supporting the effort 
uh, with what they do each week as well. That's right. So once again, that's every Thursday. There'll be another one this coming Thursday. Um, there'll be another one uh, this coming Thursday from 7 to 8 p.m. as well. And they will continue through Thursday, September 14th. That's the week right before the Apple Festival. Okay, also uh, at the Marquet Cultural Arts Center, New Frontiers performed yeah. last Saturday. Now, I didn't get to go to that concert. I was busy, but there they are performing. Red Thompson Jr. stopped by. He, he heard it was a country band, and, but, of course, he found out that it wasn't. They are a Journey <laughs> tribute band, and uh, as you can see, they look the part. They sound the part. Doesn't and, matter. Uh, Red likes all music, so. So, anyway, uh, he did enjoy it. Good. He, did, he always does. He enjoys his music. We thank him for stopping by. So, uh, you know, a lot of entertainment that, you know, you can get here in little old Jackson and Benton counties. If you, got you, don't, it. you have to look very hard for it. Okay, uh, we want to make a pitch to the Hamden Fire Department. Uh, they are one of the fire departments in Jackson and Benton counties, and they're not the only one who not only fight fires, but they do a lot of good community service things. You know, the Hamden Fire Department is one of the leading, maybe the leading community service organization in Hamden. Mm -hmm. You know, they do a lot of nice events to support the community as well as raising money for their own needs. They are going to have a fundraiser this Tuesday, this Tuesday evening, and it's going to be over at the Applebee's restaurant in Athens. Okay. This is the Applebee's in Athens. In not, Athens, not, not Chillicothe. Right, at 547 East State Street. And uh, if you eat over at Applebee's from 4 p.m. to 8 p.m., on uh, to, tomorrow evening, half of the proceeds, half, not 10%, oh, wow. not 20%, not 25%, half the proceeds will go to the Hamden Fire Department. Dang. So, I mean, that is a big commitment there. You can even, you know, if you haven't been to Applebee's for a while and you figure, you know, oh, that's a good reason to go out, uh, the Hamden Volunteer Fire Department has put the menu on the Facebook page. Now, you can't just order anything you want, but there is a list of things that is on that half price list. Okay. Great. Well, it's not the half price list, but half the money will half go money, yeah. to uh, the Hamden Volunteer Fire Department. All right. Uh, last uh, Friday night was football Friday night. It's a it big deal was. in both Jackson and Vinton counties. And we had three different ball games going on because one of the ball games involved two of our local teams. So That's we had right. three games instead of four. So we're going to tell you about the results. If you haven't heard, maybe Dylan will put up some pictures for us too as well. Uh, the Wellston Golden Rockets. They did not win a game all last year. Uh, they didn't win very many games the year before. Well, guess what? They won their opener. They beat the Oaks in a close game over at C.H. Jonesfield by oh. a score of 12 to 9. That is Josh Clarkson. Does he look happy uh, after scoring a touchdown? I think so. That's a James Hamilton picture. We're always glad to get his photos when he's able to go to a ball game. Good job, James. But uh, he was very happy. Wellston actually had the best of the game, but it turned out to be pretty close. It went down to almost the wire, obviously, in a 12-9 game. But uh, Chris Graham is the new coach at Wellston, and it was a big lift for him, the staff, and the kids, and the I'll whole bet. community yeah. to win that football game. So They had a rough go of it last so year. So congratulations uh, to them. Uh, Johnny Scott, who is the quarterback for Wellston, uh, I know that he had – I know he slept well on Friday, on Friday <laughs> night because he ran the ball – uh, 27 times through 192 yards. What? So he was he was the star for Wellston. For Oak Hill, Garrett McKinnis kicked a 29-yard field goal to get him on the board and keep the game close. Uh, now, all three of those games that we covered, and I'll get to the other two in just a minute, all three of those games where we had reporters on the scene to cover them live and mm -hmm. also photos, all three of them were online that night. 
uh, on our Very website. Good. So to everybody who who had a hand in that, and it was yep. more than one, of course, sports editor Todd Compston, uh, the coordinator of all that, uh, you know, you can check and get those game reports right now. Of course, we'll have them in our print edition as well you on got it. Wednesday. You can expect a lot in our sports sections now that school has started and the teams are playing. All right. At, okay. At Alumni Stadium in Jackson, the Ironmen defeated Logan 22 to nothing. Uh, oh, it was, wow. It was a little tougher this year than in past years uh, against Logan. That is number 77 is Blaine Hale. And Blaine Hale happens to be the son of our own J.J. Hale. We know Hale. that kid. That was a big tackle in that game. Logan had trouble getting their offense going. The quarterback had a chance to maybe make a big play here, but Blaine got a hold of his knee and was able to trip him up, and he didn't get a first down. Jackson got the ball back, and Logan's threat was averted. Very good. Um, Cade Wolford, who comes into this year as a Division I prospect of the mm-hmm. Ironman at running sure. back, he had an 88-yard punt return for a touchdown. Oh, nice. So he played a big role in the game. That is Cade running the ball from scrimmage in that game. Uh, Jackson uh, you know, had three different runners contribute in that game. They were mainly on the ground, Jackson was. Sophomore quarterback Bodie Wolford is Cade's younger brother. He is the first-year quarterback okay. uh, of the team. But uh, the defense did a great job, held Logan scoreless. And Ethan Crabtree, who was the senior place kicker, he was our uh, broadcast team star of the game. And you know what he did? Kicked a 46-yard field goal. Oh, my goodness. He's back. He also also (laughs) kicked a 37-yard field goal. Those are good distances for a high school school uh, kicker. The 46-yarder, unfortunately... Jackson High School does not have a long-standing record book for football. Yeah, uh, that is unfortunate, but they don't. The 46-yarder though may be a record because there wasn't a lot of field goal kicking back in the old days. No, and I've been around for about 50 years. And you don't uh, in remember the, in that? The modern, huh? I don't remember a 46-yarder. Maybe in the 40s. So it's the old. We said this on the air, and I'll say it on TV now. We'll say it's a record, and if somebody knows it isn't, you tell us. Yeah, you let us know. I think Mr. Ethan's going to be here on the program tomorrow. Right. I think talking about his public service, his community yes. service project, which is pretty neat, too. We won't steal his thunder, but he'll be here tomorrow. Love that. Uh, but that's not all he did. He also kicked uh, you know, an extra point, and he punted. He's the punter this year. He uh, had three punts for a very good average, and the shortest punt, 34 yards, we can forgive him because it was on the Jackson side of the field. And so he wanted to get it inside the 20-yard line uh-huh. to put Logan in a bad spot. It bounced right before the goal line and bounced back on the five-yard line. And that's where Logan had to start. Oh, nice. And one of the reasons Logan wasn't able to score is because of the kicking game, both punting and place kicking, Logan had to go on the long field. Yeah. And it's harder to go 80 yards than it is to go 50. Uh, yeah, we play that field position game. And as a place kicker, you know, when you kick off, he kicked three out of four of his kickoffs into the end zone. Wow. That doesn't happen all that often. In high school, it can it happens, but not often. Not often. And he did it three out of four times. Way to so go, So he buddy. had a great opener uh, in his senior year. Number four, Ethan Crabtree. And that's great, as he had to sit out all last year due to injury. Right. He did a non-football injury, and uh, you know he did all of the things he had to do to be able to come back from a rehab standpoint. Yes, he did. And then worked on his kicking. He was able to work on his kicking a good part of the time because you know the, it was non-contact. Sure. So I mean, he didn't let it deter him. He he kept on working on it. And I gotta think that uh, you know he's got a chance to play at the next level. I Don't want to jinx right. him. Don't want to jinx him. But I believe he's got the stuff. I think so. 
All right, uh, the other game was actually probably the most competitive game of the three. It was up at Vinton County. They've always played close games. It seems like Unioto always gets the best of Vinton County, and you know they did it again. Oh, dang 21 it. 21-20 to 20 in a game. Oh, no. In a game up at McCarthy. What the difference was, they blocked a kick, a, no. a point after kick, simple as that, or otherwise it would have been 21-21. to uh, 21. Uh, Now, Vinton County did some good things in that game. Uh, Garrett Brown, who is their senior runner, carried the ball 142 yards on 30 carries. Lane Habron, who also runs the ball, 77 yards, he scored two touchdowns. However, Vinton County was hurt by the fact that they had five turnovers, Oof. five interceptions and fumbles where, you know, they couldn't score and they gave Unioto the ball. Mm-hmm. So Unioto's got a good team, but you can't give a good team that kind no. of opportunities. Yeah. And so they also, the Shermans were also able to connect on two long touchdown passes. So they burned Vinton County on some big plays where they scored, you know, on long plays easily. You don't want to do that. So Coach T.J. Carper is still very enthusiastic. The fans are about this year for the Vikings because he is really building that program uh, very well. Made the playoffs two years in a row. They want to take the next step and contend for the TVC Ohio title and maybe not only make the playoffs, but maybe win a playoff game and go a little bit farther in there. I know that they have an outstanding team. This was a bump in the road, but uh, they'll be back at it this next Friday. Uh, The games that we got going on next Friday, by the way, and they're all on the radio. Every game will be on the radio, you know, live, and that includes the playoff games postseason. Oak Hill will be at Piketon. Vinton County will be at Circleville, and Wellston will be at Fairland. And on Saturday night, this is a biggie. Jackson will play the, the perennial power in southeastern Ohio, the Ironton Fighting Tigers. Oof. It will be part of what they call the Ironton Tiger Classic. There are going to be three games on Saturday there at Tank Stadium, historic Tank Stadium, and the nightcap will be Jackson versus Ironton. Kickoff oh will not be until 8 o'clock. Jackson has lost to Ironton two years in a row and about as close I as know. you can. They're just like heartbreaker games. Including a kickoff return on the yes. last play of the game Ugh. to lose down there two years ago. It's horrible. Uh, but uh, anyway, uh, 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 that'll be a big game in the area, maybe the marquee game in all of southeastern Ohio. And that's on Saturday night, not on Friday night. Okay, we're going to go back to Wellston now because there were some special things going on there. Um Coach Jeff Hendershot, or Athletic Director Jeff Hendershot, always sets up some special things uh, at Wellston on the opener. It used to always be Jackson-Wellston. This, now it's uh, Oak Hill-Wellston. I think that'll be a rivalry that goes on for a while. Mm-hmm. But they did the Hall of Fame induction at Wellston uh, this Friday or last Friday night. And here are the Hall of Fame inductees. They are in the middle there. Uh, you, have, um, you have there on the left, uh, you've got uh, you've got uh, the three inductees are uh, Jalen Prater, uh, you've got Jake Walburn, and you've got Amber Lambert. Uh, that is uh, Mr. Prater second from the left, Jake Walburn uh, next from the left, and then you've got Amber Lambert. Flanking them are Terry Gill, the board president on the far right, and athletic director Jeff Hendershot on the far left. Nice. Uh, but uh, of course, they had great athletic careers, all of them. Jalen Prater ended up playing, he played football, basketball, yeah. and track. He ended up playing at Northwestern as a starter for two years. Yep. Amber Lambert was a great softball player and volleyball player. And Jake Walburn did about everything when he uh, played at Wellston High School football, baseball, and basketball. And so big night at Wellston High School. 
And they had another thing that caused a little bit of a stir, and we've got a good picture of that if Dylan can put it up. Scott Adams, well-known skydiver, was oh. there to do his thing <gasps> pregame. There he is. What? There he is landing there right in the middle of the field in pregame. They've done that before, and they did it again. That is insane. And Scott has been doing this for a while, and apparently, you know, he's got a little age on him, but he doesn't mind doing it. Ugh. Uh, you know, every time you jump out of that plane, Nothing's for sure. No. <laughs> Nothing's for sure. That's bad. But that, you know, that was a, quite a spectacle, yeah. I'm sure. That is so cool. Before before the game. So um, big night at Wellston, and they capped it Fun. off with a win. So Very you know, good. It was very, very nice. Uh, we didn't say too much about it last week. I should have. But in last Saturday's uh, uh, paper, we had a complete section on fall sports preview. Not football, but fall sports. Is that the football this one? This is a football one. Right. Well, we but had something one, like this. We had one just like that. Yeah. It was a whole section, the second section, the B section, and it was on fall sports. The one that you're holding up there was it's Wednesday football. football. Right. Yep. And so what if you want to know if like you want to know preview information on these fall sports teams and or pictures, we have them in last Saturday's edition. You can still pick it up. Love it. All right. Uh, a couple of other things coming up that we want to talk about. Do not forget that this Tuesday. Uh, they're going to have that uh, American Legion Legacy Run. Yes. All those motorcycles will be Super coming cool. into Wellston. American Legion people starting in Kokomo, Indiana, going all the way to Charlotte, North Carolina, I think. Um, they're going to stop in Wellston at the American Legion Post on Tuesday. Sounds like a lunch stop, 1130 to 1, but they'll be coming down Pennsylvania Avenue. All those motorcycles. Don't know how many it's there gonna are. It's going to be a spectacle. But it's going to be a lot. <laughs> and, of course, they'll have the patriotic decorations and all. We'll be there to cover it. Uh, but once again, if you want to go out and see it, uh, they'll be coming into town approximately 1130 a.m. on Tuesday. That is the American Legion Legacy Run. Love that. All right. Um, start of school in Wellston. Everybody started except Wellston. Wellston will be starting on Wednesday the 23rd. Yes. Uh, intermediate school open house is tonight uh, from 5.30 to from 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. for third grade students and then fourth and fifth grade students from 5.30 to 6. Bundy Elementary, which is for preschool through uh, grade two, they're going to have open houses uh, Wednesday, uh, Wednesday, Thursday, and Tuesday, depending on, you know, whether, you know, you're a kindergarten student, preschool, you know, it's staggered when they are. Uh, you need to call for an appointment if you're if, if you're you know the, the parent of a kinder or guardian of a kindergarten student. Same way for preschool on first or second grade, you just show up with your child. It'll uh, it'll be on Tuesday from 5 p.m. to 6:30 p.m. at Bundy Elementary School. Just give the school a call if you're uh, if you want to know when your time is to be there. But once again, school starts on Wednesday. Jackson. Oak Hill and Vinton County started last Wednesday. They're already rolling. Tonight, if you want to have input into this year's Farm City Field Day, I know that the Jackson Farmer, the Jackson County Farmers Club would not mind you showing up. They meet on the third Monday of each month uh, out oh, at the Extension yeah, Office. Cool. And the purpose of tonight's meeting will be to plan Farm City Field Day. Always held uh, the about the second week of September on some local farm or agricultural rural location. Yes. This year, it's going to be very interesting, especially for the folks who've never been there, but it's going to be at Henderson's Arena. Oh, cool. Out there in Soda Township. Yeah. I know you've been out there yeah. being the, the horsey girl that you are, <laughs> uh, but uh, it's it's going to be, uh, the meeting tonight is from 6.30 to 8 
at the Jackson County Extension Office. Um, they're also they're going to plan Farm City Field Day. If you want to attend, call Josh Winters out there at the Extension Office uh, at 740-688-5029 or the landline number is 286-5044. The reason to call is they like to know who's coming because they do serve a light meal ahead of time and that helps them to plan. You don't sense. have to eat though, but that option is there for you. Yeah, just let them know. All right, exactly. Also on Wednesday, uh, the Jackson City Visitors and Convention Commission will meet. Uh, that will be down at the Jackson City Council Chambers at 9 a.m. Uh, applications for funding assistance, uh, if you're still interested in that, has to be turned in by the end of the day at the city building, the mayor's office there in the memorial building. Uh, even though it's late in the year, there's still some funding available and there are some applications that have not been acted on. You know, they can't give everybody as much money as they want. They can't, uh, you know, they have to make decisions on how much money to give um, the requests and uh, what requests to fund, but it's still not too late to get in on this year's funding cycle, apparently. So once again, today is the last day though to fill out an application and okay. then show up at the meeting on Wednesday and make your pitch in person. Makes sense. Okay, one other meeting that we wanna tell you about in Wellston that is important. We know how instrumental the Wellston Main Street Group has, oh. has been in what's going Crazy. on in Wellston. Their main mission is to promote, rebuild, and support activity in the historic section of downtown Wellston. Sure. There is no Main Street in Wellston, but it's figuratively speaking, yes. you know, it's, it's, it's the main business the district that they're area. interested in because yeah. of, of a lot of small town, uh, old downtown districts, you know. A lot of people, uh, a lot of businesses pulled out of it, pulled out onto the highway or whatever. Yeah. And so um, their mission for the last six or seven years has been to encourage development in the downtown, to clean up the downtown, some of the old buildings that were derelict or whatever. Mm -hmm. And they've made a lot of progress, but it's a relatively small group and they need more bodies. They have called a meeting uh, for Wednesday, August 30th. That it would be a week from next Wednesday. It's going to be at 6 p.m. in the Rusted Barnes Reception Hall uh, there on at 4 East Broadway Street. You okay. know, Tina Stroud, yeah. who is uh, the owner-proprietor of the Rusted Barnes, she is the president or chair of Main Street right now. Yep. Uh, and she's making no bones about it. This meeting is about the future of the organization. Um, they need okay. new people to participate. They need new leaders to serve on the board. The meeting is open to the public. You don't necessarily have to participate or jump on the board to go to the meeting, but if you're an interested citizen and you care, you can certainly attend. Membership is not required. You don't have to be a member of Main Street to attend this meeting. You don't have to agree to do anything, but you know if you're interested, that counts for something. This meeting, according to Tina, is critical for the future of Main Street. The group needs more volunteers and board members to be able to continue. Now, okay. think about it. Makes sense. Not only what they do, their main core mission, you know, we know how important that is, but they also are the group that has organized the 4th of July uh, celebration of our nation event uh, in conjunction with the 4th of July and also the uh, Christmas treats on Wellston Streets events that is in early December. Their yes. Christmas celebration, it's Main Street that does that. Yes. They may get some help from other event. people in the community, other groups, the city, et cetera. But it's Main Street that makes that happen. And so this is, you know, this will be in the paper. I'm telling you about it. We'll have it on the radio. 
But, you know, if you are glad what Main Street is doing and you think it's important and or you just like the events that they do, yeah. the time has come to step up because, you know, a small group around a table can't keep doing it on their own. That's right. So that is uh, once again on August the 30th at uh, 6 p.m. at the Rusted Barn Reception Hall for East Broadway Street. Okay, make plans to attend that. Exactly. And we will follow that as well, too. Very good. Well, Pete, you were definitely full of it today, weren't you? We were busy. Yeah, we I'd, were busy. I'd say so. And we'll keep following this Board of Elections, um, shall we say, debacle, if, if it, not necessarily to the Board of Elections, but <laughs> election debacle with the candidates and all of that. Um, and let people right. know. Right. There is, a, yeah, yeah, in some it's of these just, situations, if all this holds and plus some pending people are also ruled invalid, there's nobody running for some yeah, positions. I know. So, I, you know, I know that begs the question, what would happen? I believe that at the nonpartisan level, appointments would have to be made by the boards, oof. by the board, by the boards themselves, you know, okay. because it, uh, at the city level, we've seen it happen, you know, when there's a city council opening or a mayor's opening or an auditor's opening, uh, the political parties get involved because it's partisan. These are nonpartisan. So if it, a person isn't elected, it's got to be done by a board yeah. or by the executive of the board, which, you know, in the villages would be the mayor. Oh, my goodness. So, you know, it, certainly, certainly that meeting this afternoon will be important. We'll see what happens. As, as I said, you know, there is certainly an element uh, where I think there'll be some people who will be seeking some redress there. Wow. If, if what we hear about incorrect forms being handed out sure. is true. Okay. Well, we'll keep up, keep that updated. All right. Well, very good. Um, tomorrow we will have a special guest here in the, in the studio, which you talked about a little bit ago, Mr. Ethan Crabtree talking about his kicks for coats and, and all of that fun stuff that he does, uh, along and you know, the way. He, you know, even though he was injured, he did that last year. He did it too. Yeah. He did it. You got it. That's right. So we'll be finding out more about that and how you can help, um, with, that organization. So, all right. Have a great day, everyone. Thank you, Pete, for hanging with us. You're, you're very welcome. And thank you, Dylan, for hanging out with us. You're welcome. Okay. <laughs> and we'll be right back here tomorrow. Thanks for watching. Bye-bye. This just in. The Telegram News has a new website. TheTelegramNews.com. Same dedicated coverage. Same trustworthy news with a brand new look. Covering Jackson and Benton counties and surrounding areas. Locally owned and operated, TheTelegramNews.com has its finger on the pulse of the community. Stay up to date on local events, high school sports, and breaking news. TheTelegramNews.com. Subscribe today at TheTelegramNews.com. Check it out.